I stood at the back of the funeral parlor. And I watched a teenage girl wander back and forth in front of the casket, holding the body <clears throat> of her grandmother, who was gone much too soon. And I thought to myself, this is not the way it's supposed to be. I was scrolling through my social feed and I noticed that one of my friends was being flamed mercilessly by some other people for a particular political viewpoint. And I thought to myself, this is not the way it's supposed to be. I sat in a courtroom and I listened as each prisoner was called to stand before the judge. Uh, there were infractions large and small among them. Some of them represented themselves. Some of them had an attorney who was speaking some words that were designed, I think, to help. And each of them received something back from the judge, some sentence, some future date to reappear and so forth. And then they were escorted away in orange jumpsuits, some in shackles and as I watched the heartbreak playing out in that room, I thought to myself, this is not the way it's supposed to be. Don't share them out loud right now, but do you have a this isn't the way it's supposed to be story happening in your life right now? Somebody you care about someplace in your world, maybe something in your own life, your own flesh and blood, and you're thinking to yourself, this is not how it's supposed to be. Every one of us in here could offer something to this sermon if we had time to listen to your stories. Because somewhere deep inside, you know it's not supposed to be like that. Surely that's not the way a good God, whom we just sang to and about a few minutes ago, surely that's not the way a good God would want this to be. Sometimes it feels almost like Humpty Dumpty. <laughs> has broken into a million pieces and all of our efforts and all of our resources and all of the king's horses and all of the king's men just can't get Humpty Dumpty put back together again. Amen? And friends, it's against the backdrop of that reality. <laughs> a lot of pain and a lot of brokenness around us that I come today with <laughs> what feels to me like a an immense privilege right now to proclaim to you some good news. Our human God finally and fully breaks the chains of sin and death and restores to us <laughs> the original goodness we were created for. And his resurrection brings to life our choice to join him and each other in the renewal of all things. Now, I just said a mouthful there. <laughs> There's a whole lot packed into those two sentences. And if that's true, it is the game changer of all game changers, my friend. This is really good news. Our human God finally and fully breaks the chains of sin and death and restores us to the original goodness we were created for. His resurrection brings to life our choice to join him and to join each other in the renewal of all things. That is good news. And just to help us explore that a little bit today, I want to tell you two stories. 
The first story is the story from a garden to a grave. The human story, Scripture says, starts in a garden, a garden the Bible calls the Garden of Eden. And the best way to describe the garden, if you're not already familiar, is the ancient Hebrew word shalom. Shalom simply means whole, good, <laughs> might even think of it as perfect, but it's, it's like this is the way it's supposed to be. Like everything is the way it's supposed to be. That's the garden. Nothing broken, nothing missing, no pain, no death. Very good, Scripture calls it. People were fully alive. The people in the garden were fully human. But those first humans, just like every one of us since, decided to use their agency, their ability to choose. They used it to break fellowship with the God who gave them the gift, to break fellowship with each other. And every one of us has been doing it ever since, and the ripple effect of all of that brokenness has been playing out in the fabric of time and just tearing at the thread of shalom, one thread after another, unraveling all of the goodness that God built into the story at the beginning. And I think it's safe to say that all of us have lived at some point, maybe you are today, less than fully human lives. Amen? Amen? Anybody besides me a little messed up? Okay. <laughs> this, is, this sermon could get way shorter if nobody else needs it. <laughs> Pain, death, brokenness have replaced so much of the peace and the beauty and the wholeness that a good God gave us in the beginning. And now we say to ourselves over and over and over, this is not how it's supposed to be. Because we made the journey from that garden to the grave, and that journey always brings death. Always. Now, I told you I would share two stories. There's a sequel story. And the sequel story is a journey from the grave to a garden. I want you to listen to how the Apostle Paul described it to people much like us about 2,000 years ago, the city of Rome. He explained it this way. He says, if one man's sin put crowds of people at the dead end abyss of separation from God, just think what God's gift poured through one man, Jesus Christ, will do. There's no comparison between that death-dealing sin and this generous, life-giving gift, the verdict on that one sin was the death sentence. The verdict on the many sins that followed was this wonderful life sentence. If death got the upper hand through one man's wrongdoing, can you imagine the breathtaking recovery life makes? Absolute life in those who grasp with both hands this wildly extravagant life gift, this grand setting everything right gift that the one man Jesus Christ provides. And then he restates it. He says, here it is in a nutshell. Just as one person did wrong and got us in all this trouble with sin and death, and make no mistake about it, one person wasn't the only one, okay? All of us have contributed to this. Another person did it right and got us out of it. 
more than just getting us out of trouble. He got us into life. One man said no to God and put many people in the wrong, and one man said yes to God and put many people in the right. This, friends, is good news. This is the best news you have ever heard or you ever will. Our human God finally and fully breaks the chains of sin and death and restores us to the original goodness we were created for. His resurrection brings to life our choice to join him and to join each other in the renewal of all things. A fully human God who experiences our human experience all the way to the point of death, all the way to the grave, except that this man puts death to death. Death is conquered by Jesus once and for all. How fitting is it that his resurrection takes place in a garden? Do you remember on Easter Sunday when I told the story of Mary Magdalene who came to the grave on the third day after Jesus' crucifixion and she finds his tomb open and empty and she is scared out of her mind, worried what they've done with the body of her Lord? Do you remember that? Don't miss the irony, my friend, that Mary is there staring into the grave while over her shoulder is a garden. <laughs> She's facing death. She's looking in that grave and she's thinking to herself, this isn't the way it's supposed to be. It's not supposed to be like this. <laughs> I want to remind you of the story in John chapter 20. We're going to pick it up right there. It says, Mary turned around to leave and she saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't know it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, woman, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? And thinking he was whom? The gardener. They're in a garden. She replied, sir, if you've carried him away, would you tell me where you put him and I'll go get him. <laughs> and Jesus says to her, Mary, this woman who was looking at the grave, who was facing the story that ends in death, she turns and she says to him in Aramaic, Rabboni? Can you imagine being in that garden that day where a voice from the grave calls out your name and something in your heart whispers, maybe it doesn't have to be this way. Maybe it doesn't have to be this way. This, my friends, is the good news of the resurrection. Our human God finally and fully breaks the chains of sin and death and restores us to the original goodness we were created for. His resurrection gives us now a choice. We can join him. We can join with each other in the renewal of all things. We are being called from death to life, from the grave to the garden. And the human journey from the grave to the garden always ends in life. It always whispers hope to our hearts. Maybe it doesn't have to be this way. Maybe it won't always be this way. Two stories. Two journeys. <laughs> One choice. Which journey are you taking today? Which of those two stories do you want to live in? <laughs> That'd be a good question, I think. My friend, I am giving you good news today. Our fully human God is calling you by name out of the grave of brokenness and despair. <laughs> 
and death, and he's giving you the best invitation you've ever received. Would you take the gift of life? That's the call today. <laughs> you, you could move from, this is not how it's supposed to be, to this isn't how it has to be. This is not how it will always be. You could make that leap today in your own life. And you just join up with Jesus and his family and say, I want to be part of the renewal of all things. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. There's no question that we're still caught in an in-between state right now, right? That even those of us who've said yes to life, who've turned from the grave and we've turned to the gardener, if you will, we still are living in the middle of this situation where not everything is yet as it will be. But we have the promise based on the resurrected life of Jesus that someday all of it will fully be renewed. Amen? That is our hope. That is the hope that whispers to a Christian heart every single day. It will not always be this way. Amen? Is that good news? That's like the best news I've ever heard, my friend. <laughs> we sang it just a few minutes ago. and It about undid me, I think. Jesus can turn morning to dancing. I've seen him give beauty for ashes. Over and over and over, I've seen him bring that transformation in my life and in other people's lives. He turns shame. Think about the power of shame. He turns shame into glory. He turns graves into gardens. He turns bones into living armies. He turns seas into highways. And yes, he's the only one who can. The human God who conquered the grave and gave us a second story back to the garden. That's good news, my friend. It's really good news. I just wonder if maybe he's calling you by name today. I wonder what choice that you have made in your own life what journey are you on? What story are you living in? There's no question one ends in death and brokenness. And the other one ends in life and hope. And this might be a good time to remind our Meadow Heights family, everything we do in this church is to help you live your second story. Amen? We are fully committed to the sequel, my friend. We've put everything in on life and love and that God is good and that we can become transformed by his goodness right now. And we do our best to equip you to take steps toward that. I mentioned earlier about baptism two weeks from today, barbecue and baptism, that it's a chance to declare with this public an ancient rite of passage, I'm living in the second story now. <laughs> I don't have it all together. I haven't figured it all out, but I signed up for the sequel. That's what baptism does. It's just a way of saying, I identify with the grave, but my life is becoming a garden of God's love flourishing through me into the world. I'm joining him in the renewal of all things. That's what baptism indicates to those of us who celebrate it with you. It's a beautiful thing. And I teed this up a minute ago that maybe uh, some of our stories might encourage you. Now, we don't have time for everybody to share, although I certainly wish we did. And uh, we probably don't have time for five-minute stories, so a, a, a one- or two-sentence story might be a better option. But if some of you have something that you remember particularly about your baptism that was meaningful, maybe the favorite part, the thing that most sticks out to you that you think might encourage somebody else to hear it, uh, anybody want to share 
What are those right now? Yeah. 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 She said she was baptized with her dad, 12 or 13 years old. He was in his 40s, and she and her dad were baptized at the same time. And that, that's the meaningful thing to her, to remember. That's beautiful, hon. That's Mrs. Mills, by the way. <laughs> I could call her hun. <laughs> Somebody else? What do you remember? What's, what's important or special or a favorite part of your baptism for you? Yes, Mary. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we don't know how lucky we are to have like a heated baptistry in the room, right? In the air-conditioned room. <laughs> Although we will be doing it outside at the park. It'll be a little warmer than January, that's for sure. <laughs> that would be memorable. Thank you, Mary. Somebody else? Favorite part about your baptism, thing you remember most. It stands out. Maybe why you decided to be baptized. Yes, uh, Daniel in the back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To have people participate in his baptism and to be with him and around him at his baptism, that is one of the things that makes your baptism so special, isn't it? That your family and friends get to be part, a church family gets to be part. Uh, that's why you'll, you'll see that we uh, say if you want somebody to help baptize you, you can invite a parent or a sibling or maybe a friend, somebody who invited you to church or whatever, to help participate in that moment with you because that makes it a super special moment for you forever and for them for sure. <laughs> it's a special for them to get to be part of that with you as it is for you to have them there, no doubt. Thank you, Daniel. One or two more? I didn't scare you off with that whole thing about don't share for five minutes, did I? <laughs> yeah, thank you, Jay. Thank you, Jay. He says he thinks maybe he underestimated just the physical act of stepping into the water and joining with Jesus in that way. Friend, I think that's actually very powerful because it's a flesh and blood experience as we follow a flesh and blood God. And there's something crazy about your body getting involved in your faith in that way. It marks you. It's memorable. It's powerful. Simple, but powerful. And if you're considering baptism, friend, if you've never maybe thought about it that much, but now you have questions or whatever that might be. Two weeks from today, we'll be baptizing over in the park at our end of summer picnic, and we'd love for you to consider it. We'd love to answer questions, walk you through it. You have to take one step for us to be able to help. 
You need to go to the app, go to the link if you're online, and uh, just give us your contact information, and one of us will call you this week, we'll answer questions, we'll walk you through it, we'll help you make a final choice, get you on the list if that's what you decide to do. And friend, two weeks from today, you could celebrate publicly. I'm in my second story now. I'm living the sequel. I'm going to need help. I'm glad I'm part of a church that's going to help me with that. But I want everybody to know I made the choice. I turned from the grave to the gardener, if you will. And, and that's what we'd love to celebrate with you, baptism. It's one of the flesh and blood ways that we take a step. One of the other ways that we take a step is to, to engage ourselves in some way that helps us grow spiritually, this new life we have in us. You're going to hear us talk a lot over the next few weeks about grouping to grow, that we're going to group to grow this year, and we're going to be offering a lot of different group experiences that you might be part of, some things from three or four or five weeks long to something 10 months long. And the Get Real group experience is already being teed up. People are already signing up, getting information and so forth, and we have limited openings available for the fall, but we'll be starting at least three groups in September, right after Labor Day, and if you need an experience where you could figure out how to practice this new faith. Five of our practices for becoming get introduced in Get Real Groups. It is truly a transformative experience. Is it a fairly intense commitment? Yep. But sometimes the things that help us grow the most are the most intense commitments. So it's about 10 months, about 38 times you'll meet in 10 months, and about 75 minutes. We do it on Zoom, and uh, we'd love to have you participate. Uh, a buddy of mine who was in my 6 a.m. men's group this past year, Michael Casso, they're out of town on vacation this weekend, but he's one of our Fredericton Heitzers. He grabbed his phone for me this past week and recorded about three minutes of what he feels like is his greatest breakthrough from being part of a Get Real Group experience. And just to, in case you're thinking about grouping to grow this year, listen to Michael's story. My most important breakthrough being part of a Get Real group. Um, first, I want to say that I thoroughly enjoyed being part of a Get Real group for 10 months at Meadow Heights. Uh, I was part of the Wednesday 6 a.m. group of five men. And yes, that's early. And some of those mornings when I woke up and rubbed my eyes, I wondered if my mind was going to wake up along with my body. But I got up shower, shave, comb my hair, and with the help of coffee and the authenticity of the other guys, I was glad I did wake up for the Get Real group. Okay, I lied. I did not comb my hair. But, uh, the material was not overburning, burdening, uh, but actually it was easy to follow and each section or module built upon itself. And it didn't force us to bear our souls, but it gently allowed us to share and be vulnerable in a very safe, encouraging environment. Uh, we learned from each other and about each other and calls quickly became natural and were a great place to hear how the others struggled with the same things I struggled with in my life as a fellow child of God. Uh, okay, my most important breakthrough, actually there are two, I'll be brief. But there are two things that are uh, having the biggest impact on my life. Um, one, my identity in Christ and who I truly am. I'm not who I was or what I did, um, or even who other th others think I am. And I've learned more about who God says I am and who he designed me to be and who I'm becoming. And I've learned more in this course than 
any other course or conversation I've had in my 57 years. And I'm finding my identity and believe me, uh, it was lost. I'm finding it in Christ Jesus. Um, but two, uh, God's identity to me, I realize more about who God really is. And how if I really want to know who God is, um, to just look and study and learn and meditate on who Jesus was and is. Um, how God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit are uh, present at work. Uh, they meet me in my ugly reality. Uh, they care everything. They care about everything in my life more than I ever can. Uh, and they're a divine union. Um, I'm learning more about loving through actually doing more uh, than, than just thinking about doing. Uh, this group has given me a process and a system and a roadmap to break the false agreements I've made with myself and just to realize the good news, um, truths that are continually strengthening my identity in him and his identity in me and learning how to love myself and others by working with God uh, to get real with him and to get real with myself and get real with others and to uh, declare the good news. So all at 6 a.m. in the morning, and I'm sure it'll work any time of the day. It was a joy to share that 6 a.m. hour with uh, Michael and uh, the other friends that we, we developed some great friendships in that group uh, over the course of those 10 months. If, friend, if that's something that might be appealing to you, if you just want to know more, you can take a first step, get some more information. Go to the app or the link online and Go to Get Real Group or go to Group Monthly. You'll find it there as well. Click the button that says, I want more information. You give us your email address. Immediately, you will get an email. Daniel did it this morning. Email was right there on his phone. And it gives you all the information you need to know about what that group experience is like. And if you then are ready, and some of you maybe who already did that, because a bunch of you have, and you're thinking, why is nobody calling me? Because you have to click another link in that, in that email, which says, I want a conversation, all right? So you get information first, and then you get a conversation. Ask for the conversation. We'll get a hold of you, one of our facilitators. And then if you say, I think I'm ready to register, uh, we'll give you a link for registration, all right? Uh, so three steps. You could take the first one right now. Is it time for you to group, to grow, to lean into your second story in a more intense way this year? We'd love to help with that. And then the third thing is a step that every single one of us uh, can take, and we're going to take it together before we go, which is to celebrate communion. Uh, that our God in Jesus becomes flesh and blood and moves into the neighborhood, John says. And so I want you to grab, grab the uh, elements you received on the way in. If you did not get a cup, Amy's back there ready to bring one to you. We tried to get everybody. Got a couple more up here. Everyone's welcome to participate online. You're welcome to participate as well. I hope you saw the notification to have something ready. If not, grab something nearby that you could use today to eat and drink and be part of this moment with us. Uh, right over here in the corner. Any others? Good. I want you to remember that our flesh and blood God comes to be with us and to be one of us and to rescue us so it doesn't always have to be this way. And to remember the price that he paid to give us a second story. We take the wafer and we remember this is his body broken for us. Let's eat together.
take the cup. We say, this is his blood shed for us. Let's drink together. What good news this is today, my friends. Our human God finally and fully breaks the chains of sin and death and restores us to the original goodness we were created for. And now his resurrection brings to life our choice. We can join him. We can join each other in the renewal of all things. There are two journeys. There are two stories. And everybody gets to make one choice. Which story do I want to live in? And if it's the second story, we're here to help. Can we pray together? And then I'll just have a couple of reminders before we go. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this good news today. Thank you for this hour we've spent, Lord. It has been such good medicine for my soul. Thank you, Lord, that the good news at its core is simply this idea that King Jesus has brought your dream back to life. Thank you for the privilege we have of living in it now, of living in it forever, (laughs) of of being a preview of coming attractions in our world, that as we get up and walk out of this room in a few minutes, we get to be your flesh and blood here in the 573. What an amazing thing that is. While you're still so very much at work in us, we get to be part of what you're doing. And we're grateful to join with you in that way. Thank you, Jesus, for your broken body and your shed blood that calls us to life. We pray this in your name. And everybody said, amen.